This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And good morning, Toronto, Canada. Zacchino with you. We're back live in studio. Well, kind of. Our own studios at home. Virtually coming to you from studios. Zacchino, Weeks, and Scully. The band is all back together. And uh, we've been off for a few weeks, guys. There is a, an absolute ton to get to. I mean, just a ridiculous amount of content to get to. God forbid you take a couple of weeks off, right? And then <laughs> in the fall, uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, a big win yesterday. We're going to get to that today. Uh, Callum Davidson, who is the winner or player of the year on PGA Tour, McKenzie Tour, who has now qualified for the RBC Canadian Open, is finishing number one on the points list. Adam and I connected with uh, Callum uh, earlier this week uh, and, and kind of just got his thoughts on the year that was and where we go from here. We'll have that interview for you. Uh, winners, weird, and what? Just so much to get to. But boys, good morning, Bob. How are you? It's been a few weeks. We got so much to get to. But uh, how you been keeping? Have you been playing any fall golf? Yeah, boy, it's been an amazing fall here in uh, Toronto area, and the weather has been. I played Friday in shorts and shirt. Golf shirt. I couldn't imagine doing that. A little, little more gear on Saturday morning in the rain. But besides that, it's been amazing. We're going to get a couple of good more days this week. I think Tuesday and Wednesday up in the low twenties. So uh, this is uh, like September and October. All of a sudden, it's great to get out there and get a little extension to the uh, to the golf season. Yes, and I want to find out and I want to hear about your trip to Cabot. I think we're going to do that at the uh, the bottom of hour one because. Uh, you know, I was overseas in Europe, and I was following you on social media, and it just looked awesome. And I really want to hear about your experience at the the new short course. I believe it's called the Nest. Is that is that That's accurate? Right. Yeah. So I, I want I I'm dying to hear about that. Adam, have you been squeezing out the uh, the fall golf, and have you been doing it in the shorts? Have you pushed short season? Because that's the big question on the, our listeners' minds this morning. Was Adam pushing short season? I was not wearing shorts this past weekend. However, <laughs> last weekend I did debut the new Adidas High Top Golf Shoes, which I did post a photo on my Instagram uh, account. And very comfortable, very uh, durable so far. Uh, great spikes on the bottom as well. But no, it's great to have fall golf, especially after golf in the GTA got off to a maybe a slower start because of some other circumstances uh, earlier on in the spring. Nice to see some weather here going forward. But if you guys recall last year, last mid to late November, probably around November 20th, we had a weekend where it was mid-20s, both days. I remember wearing shorts last November playing golf. So Fingers crossed we get to go out and, and play golf uh, for the next couple of weeks here in the GTA. Well, you know, that kind of leads me into something else here before we get to news and headlines. Uh, you know, the golf community has thrived uh, through this pandemic in terms of uh, green grass, uh, private, public, uh, even resort play in Canada. Uh, maybe not as much as just the public and private local because of some of the travel restrictions back in 2020 that weren't there in 2021, manufacturers, soft goods. But the one industry, guys, the one lane in the golf community that didn't thrive was the indoor golf community. 
you know, they were really not able to open. They were really not able to function with all the, the guidelines that were slapped on them and prevented them from, from working. And it's, and it's a sector in the golf community that is actually growing by leaps and bounds. Now that participation is up in the game of golf, Canadians are trying to extend their seasons or make their season 12 months a year. Now, part of that has been travel. Now that travel restrictions are, are lifting, you know, Canadians are getting on planes and, and starting to fly again. But indoor golf and, and golf simulation and uh, indoor golf facilities are popping up all over the place. And one of the best in the country and certainly here in the city is the Swing Golf Lounge. And we're going to be on location and we're going to have some information on that. Uh, at the end of hour one and at the end of the show, but we're going to be on location November 15th. That's Monday, November 15th at the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke in support of uh, the uh, Daily Food Bank uh, Drive, Daily Bread Food Bank Drive. And uh, Swing Golf Lounge is, is supporting the Daily uh, Food Bank, Daily Bread Food Bank Drive throughout the entire winter. And they're giving discounts uh, for people who bring non-perishable food items. We'll get to the details later on. But Monday 15th, circle it on your schedule. And we're going to have everybody on board. We're going to have a tailor-made there. We're going to be giving away some wedges. We're going to have uh, uh, TJ Rule from Golfway Tour is going to be out there. But we're going to have an out-drive Adam Scully contest. <laughs> you and I will be doing play-by-play for any one of our listeners that wants to come out and try to take on Adam Scully in the Swing Golf Lounge driving range. And if anybody can pull it off, we're going to give away some MG3 wedges to anybody who can figure <laughs> out how to outdrive the Scully. Bob, what do you think? What do you think the chances are of, of a listener strolling up on November 15th and outdriving Adam Scully? There's no, there's no accuracy component to this, is there? <laughs> Zero accuracy. Okay, then I think, I think those people are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope Bryson DeChambeau isn't listening to the show right now. That's right. Yeah. That is right. So uh, we're going to be out there on Monday, November the 15th, and we're going to have some fun, and it's going to be for a good cause, and we're going to have details uh, throughout social media this week on Golf Talk Canada. We'll uh, announce the details and more in the show. Uh, but before anything else, we've got uh, lots of news and headlines uh, to get to, so let's get to some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Before we get to the obvious and the most recent news and headlines, we haven't had a chance collectively as a threesome to give uh, any kind of thoughts on what transpired at Whistling Straits mm. and what a dominant performance by America and what a dominant performance by, really with the exception of Dustin Johnson, who was just unbelievable, the new blood, so to speak, of the American uh, Team America with Cantley and Morikawa and Shoffley and the guys that don't have the hangover of the last 20 years. Bob, it was, I, in, in a way, the Ryder Cup kind of transpired or kind of like unfolded the way it always looks on paper for the first time uh, maybe ever. Yeah, I think going in we expected that the Americans would have the advantage, and I think what you're seeing now is sort of a flip uh, from the dominance uh, that the Europeans had with their young guard of players, you know, when, when Sergio was younger, when Olatabal was kind of grooming them, and, and, and they had a whole bunch of young studs that are now aging. And you look at Poulter, you look at Casey, you look at some of those guys now, and now you have on the American side all these young guys who are coming up, and it, it really looks not even just this Ryder Cup, but it looks going forward that the Europeans are going to be in tough because... 
there are so many good young American players now, which we haven't had for a few years, uh, that it's, you know, it's, it is going to be tough going down the road. But you're right. This one was a big victory for the U.S. I never expected it to be quite this overpowering or this uh, dominant one-sided, I guess. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now going down the road. As I said, I think at the time, I think, I think it's going to be tougher for the Americans to win the President's Cup going forward than the Ryder Cup. That's an interesting conversation, considering, you know, maybe some of those young players, uh, Garrett Higo, et cetera, that are coming up on that international side, that that Europe, we're kind of looking at Europe going, where are those guys or who are those guys, with the exception of Victor Hovland, of course. But that America team, American team, in my opinion, just looks like it's going to just be better. I think they're going to be as good or better by the time we get to Rome. Adam, were you surprised with the lopsided victory? And how good was Rory? And just his emotion, I mean, how much it means to some of these guys. But uh, what a performance by red, white, and blue. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly surprised. I mean, going into it as well, we were questioning the form of Colin Morikawa after a very strange playoff run battling some back issues. Dustin Johnson had a very strange year, obviously won the Masters 11 months ago, won the Saudi International uh, back in February. But then, you know, was showing some better form in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Then, of course, he goes 5-0 and in the Ryder Cup. Um, I, I'm surprised it, it was as lopsided as it was, but even as the guys were saying afterwards in that uh, relatively rowdy press conference fueled by maybe a couple of beverages, you know, Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau would have played together. Everyone was coming together as one. So I, I was surprised it was that big uh, of an upset for sure. And you mentioned Rory McIlroy, and we, I've always spoken about on the show how he loved his honesty. There's no, uh, there's no cliches. There's no nonsense. He just says it like it is, and he was so emotional. He was so distraught after how poorly he had played through the first two days of the Ryder Cup. Great to see, obviously, that he won yesterday, uh, the CJ Cup. But it seems like, as we always say, when Rory's on top of his game, the golf's in a, in a better spot. So uh, good for Rory for winning yesterday and good for Rory for being honest at the Ryder Cup. And we will get into the CJ Cup a little later in the show. But the USGA and the RNA, uh, the worst secret kept in golf, that they were going to apply some new rule uh, to driver lengths. Um, I was happy to see that it wasn't a hard and fast, that they opened up the opportunity for what would be a local rule, uh, that professional golf tours, professional events, and high-level amateur events can adopt, if they choose to, to ban the length of driver shafts from 48 inches down to 46 inches. I still think this is absolute crap, personally. I know Phil Mickelson agrees with my uh, feelings and thoughts on this. I was surprised to see the PGA Tour uh, adopted as soon as uh, they did. It, it seemed very quick, but apparently behind the scenes, the, the Players' uh, Council uh, have been uh, discussing this and, and talking about this for quite some time with the PGA Tour, knowing that this was coming. My question, Bob, is, you know, what's the difference now? Is it, This feels a lot like the anchored putter. Like the anchored putter, they watched it go for 30, 40 years, but then a couple guys win majors and all of a sudden it's illegal. And now I feel the same way with 48-inch drivers versus 46-inch drivers. It's been legal forever and a day. It's not been a problem. But now that guys are athletes and in the gyms and taking advantage of the rules, which have always been there, 48 inches, now it's a problem. Now it's illegal. I, I You know what? To me... Once again, horses have left the barn. They try to stuff them back in. I mean, I can see how 
how the USGA is trying to find some solution to this distance problem, but this isn't it. I mean, first of all, there's there's zero players using a 48-inch driver on the PGA Tour. The only person I can think of who uses a 48-inch driver is Brooke Henderson, and she mm-hmm. chokes up on it to 45. So it's a, sort of an, a bit of a non-starter. I can see where, you know, they're trying to do something and show that they're doing something for distance, but let's face it, we, we all know what the number one issue is, and that's you gotta you got to bring back the ball sometime, but no one's going to do that. There's all sorts of legal ramifications, uh, restraint of trade against the, the ball manufacturing companies, things like that. It can get pretty messy. So I, I'm just not really sure um, what this accomplishes other than making some sort of a statement and getting everyone's backs up because we know this isn't the right answer. It's not the right answer, and you're right. This is not like a widespread usage on any tour. You know, Phil Mickelson obviously is is the guy that pops to mind. DeChambeau has tweaked his driver length time and time again, but we're talking maybe a half dozen to a dozen guys in total, over 200-plus guys that have a PGA Tour card. Then LPGA, to your point, Bob, with Brooke uh, shortening it. Now, Adam, we're going to send out a Twitter question. When are we going to fire that Twitter poll out, Skulls? Because later on in the show, we're going to – we're going to want to know if you could change any rule in the game of golf right now, what would it be? And I believe our choices are uh, Sandfield divot uh, as ground under repair, uh, marking golf courses as red only, which is something the so the governing bodies have discussed over the years, eliminating white and yellow and, and just going to red. The anchored arm lock putter or anchoring of any kind now uh, moving forward or other are the choices. When are we going to fire that out? We'll get into it, the three of us, later on in the show. It's now been out for about 10 minutes on Twitter. The poll is out. So in about an hour, like you mentioned, we'll have time to react to what our audience thinks of those four options, all very good options, and we can discuss what the audience thinks and what we think in the next hour or so. All right, on the other side, we're going to pick up news and headlines. We've just started. We knew we had to go deep on news and headlines because we'd be gone for a while. We'll pick it up on the other side with uh, one of the legendary voices in the game of golf that passed away over the last couple of weeks. We'll pick it up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com. The smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. It is Aquino Week Scully as we continue our news and headlines. As there was a ton of news and stories that broke in our absence as we've been off the last several weeks. Now back live on TSN 1050 iHeartRadio app. Coast to coast here on GTC. Bob Renton Laidlaw passed away at age 82, the voice of the European Tour, uh, tested positive for COVID-19, was admitted to hospital. Uh, The voice of the European Tour uh, author, in my mind, you know, with the exception of Peter Alice, probably the signature voice for European golf. Did you ever get to meet Laidlaw? I I never met him uh, uh, over the years. Uh, In in my travels, I never met Retton. I've met Peter multiple times, but never Retton. Have you met, did you have the pleasure of meeting the man? I did a couple of times, and uh, he was a, it was kind of like what you'd expect from the way he broadcast. He was a gentleman. He was a, 
a guy who seemed very interested in who you were and what you were doing. There was not an air of uh, egotism in him. And he sort of, for me, and I think for a lot of people, uh, especially when the Golf Channel started broadcasting the European Tour events in the morning on Saturdays and Sunday morning, you'd wake up and there was his voice. You know, he was the guy that you sort of associated with in your mind. As you said, he's the voice of it. But in some ways, he was almost a little bit bigger than than, the, than some of the uh, uh, the players that he covered because he had such a long career and people knew him and he just sort of was always there. And uh, and I I can't say I knew him well, but the, the interactions I did have with him, um, the image you have of him, is what the reality was. He was a very personable, gentle, and soft-spoken man. Now, speaking of broadcasting, gents, Bones leaves NBC. Very popular, by the way, uh, in his short tenure with NBC. Most people uh, really enjoyed his work as part of the NBC golf team. Choosing to leave NBC to go back to full-time caddying position on Justin Thomas's bag. Adam, were you surprised at this when you saw the announcement that he would go back to caddying full-time? Because he had a great gig and was doing well with it. Yeah, had a great gig, was doing well. I was kind of surprised. I mean, he had been doing the NBC gig for about four years, uh, I believe. I'm looking forward to seeing whenever Thomas and Mickelson, whenever they're paired together, what that's what that dynamic's going to be like. Because I don't believe Bones was ever commentating for Phil uh, specifically uh, on NBC. So looking forward to seeing what that's what that's like. But I also really enjoyed Bones's uh, perspective on golf because you know a lot of these on-course commentators are either just trained broadcasters or former players, not exactly former caddies. Now, John Wood is also on the NBC broadcast team, but Bones really brought a different perspective, spoke a lot about the caddy-player interactions, what the wind is like, how a, how a wind, how wind could influence a putt. So I'm going to miss Bones on the coverage, but JT and Bones have had success together when Bones has filled in a couple times for JT. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this is going to be like going forward. You know, like the variety is important because quite often uh, golf broadcasts, whether it be TV, radio, European, and North American, etc., they can start to sound very similar. And they start so to have different perspectives and points of views to your point, Adam, a player perspective, a broadcast perspective, a caddy perspective, etc. It's important to the flow and just overall interest of the story being delivered to the viewer or listener. But I was surprised at this. Bob, were you surprised to see him make the full-time jump? I could have seen a, a part-time move, kind of what Steve Williams and Adam Scott were doing for a while, but a full-time move was a surprise for me. A little bit to me, because I thought that one of the reasons that he was switching out was because he did have some knee issues uh, before. He didn't want to be lugging the bag around. Now, I think those have been, um, you know, he's, he's fixed those to a certain extent. So I was a little surprised at this. But let's face it, a bag like JT's doesn't come around very often. I mean, that's, a, uh, that's an ATM machine waiting for you to, to step in there. So I think there's that of it. And I think for most of these caddies, you know, it's... Um, once you're a caddy, you're always a caddy, whether you're in front of the microphone or carrying the bag. So I think, and I think that's that's probably where Bones feels more comfortable. I think there is some talk that he will still do a few events for NBC uh, here and there when he's not working for JT or in off weeks, which I think will be complicated because I think you do need a week off every once in a while. But uh, but yeah, I'll miss him as a broadcaster. But I. I completely understand his decision to go back and the other thing i will tell you from uh from my own personal experience that that is true it is not a job you can do well 
when you do it once in a while. If, if you pop your head in once in a while and think you're going to contribute to the NBC golf team, you usually stumble all over yourself, and uh, it is not worth uh, the time or effort to do uh, with just a toe in the water. Uh, sad news, Casey Martin, of course, everybody remembers Casey Mort- Martin, who uh, was b- born with a nerve uh, uh, issue in, in his leg that, ma- that made uh, one of his legs... Uh, uh, difficult to walk on. He sued, successfully sued the PGA Tour many, many years ago uh, to use a golf cart. Uh, back in 2019, he stumbled and tripped over a curb, uh, which gave him further complications with that leg that's always caused him problems. And uh, unfortunately, he had to have that leg a- amputated uh, several days ago. They were able to save uh, the thigh on the leg, which is good news for Casey and, uh, because that means he can get fitted for a prosthetic likely and and still be able to to have a walk and mobility and and maintain a similar quality of life but sad news to see that in positive news though gentlemen speaking of legs and sightings adam we had a tiger woods sighting (laughs) was on the range with his son watching him hit golf balls he had a wedge or an iron of some kind in his hand and just a sleeve on his leg no crutch no nothing. What does this mean? What were your thoughts when you saw it? Okay, so we know a couple of years ago, I made perhaps a rather bold prediction that Tiger would play in the Hero World Challenge that year. Because no chance. That's not going to happen. I'm not saying he's going to play this year. There's no chance. I don't think anyway he's going to play golf in a couple of months. But this is great to see because it's really been an all quiet, maybe a couple of social media posts. But for Tiger, I mean, obviously he hurt, or he badly injured his leg in late February. At the time, still rehabbing the back surgery he had around Christmas time last year. Who knows if he'll ever play golf again? But more importantly, it's great to see that it seems like he's walking on his own power. He gets to watch his own son play golf. And by the way, his son's grown like six inches since the last time we saw him last Christmas time. This is just an all-round positive news story. If he plays one more golf tournament. Hooray, but let's just hope Tiger can live a normal life here going forward. Bob, what were your thoughts when you saw it, and have you heard anything? I, you know, I, I made a couple of phone calls to guys I know that live down that way and, and kind of hang out in, the, in that Jupiter, and it's like, it, you know, you, you could find Jimmy Hoffa's body before <laughs> you get any information on how Tiger's leg's doing. Yeah, the, I, I think the, the thing that stuck out for me was when I, you know, when he first had the accident, and I talked to a bunch of orthopedic surgeons who, who weren't specific with or, you know, weren't familiar with the specifics of his injury. But they all said the ankle was going to be the biggest issue. And when you saw his leg, I mean, there was a sleeve of, on it of some sort. I don't know if that's a compression sleeve of some sort to try and keep things circulating. But there was nothing around his ankle. And I thought I fully expected him to still be in some kind of a boot or something. So I think that bodes well. And listen, we all know how dedicated, regimented Tiger is to recovery, to you know, physio to weights to whatever it is that he's trying to do to get himself back and healthy. So maybe we shouldn't be as surprised as uh, as I actually kind of was, I think, to see him that healthy and that uh, upright and, and going along just like he uh, he looks like he could, he could uh, run the 100 meters. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on this, and maybe we'll get some good news in the spring. Maybe, uh, well, we've all learned one thing, Bob. Never count out Tiger. We've done it a few yeah. times. We keep learning the hard way. I won't do it again, right? So... <laughs> 
On the other side, Rory McIlroy, very vocal about showing up in January and being sick and tired of being outside the top 100 in the FedEx Cup points list. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore because he won his season debut at the CJ Cup. Rory McIlroy, 25 under par, a one-shot win over a charging Colin Morikawa at 24 under as the tour double-dipped in Vegas for the second week. We'll get to it on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week. Scully, as we get you caught up on all the news in the world of golf. And the big news, really, Rory McIlroy winning his season debut at the CJ Cup at Summit. PGA Tour, only for the 15th time since World War II, back-to-back in the same city, Las Vegas. Uh, due to the global pandemic, of course, they were unable to go to Korea for the CJ Cup. But uh, highlighted one of the high-end uh, private golf clubs, the Summit Club in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And Rory wins his season debut and no longer has to worry about falling behind the eight ball in the FedEx Cup. He joins Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, and Dustin Johnson as the only active players on the PGA Tour now with 20 career victories or more. It's his 20th PGA Tour victory for Rory McIlroy. Let's hear from the champion of the CJ Cup. It's it's pretty significant. I mean, I think when you can do something to achieve lifetime membership on tour, um, I still need. I think I still need to play another couple of years after this one to actually get it. Um, but that's great, you know. So by the time I'm 34, 35, uh, not having to worry about um, you know minimums on tour and being able to really set a schedule, and especially at that point when you know kids will be getting in, into school age and maybe wanting to spend a little bit more time at home. Um, you know, that's that's important. You know, when you look to to the bigger things in life. Um, you know, getting to that, getting to that level to, you know, I can pick and choose where I play nowadays anyway, but, you know, that makes it, that makes it even, um, even better and, and less of a burden, I guess. Roy McIlroy, first in strokes game putting on the week, did not have the putting uh, kind of touch he wanted on Sunday, but made the ones he had to. Certainly uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday putted beautifully. For me, the difference really, though, guys, other than obviously the putting, you got to putt well to win on the PGA Tour, is that he hit the ball great on Thursday and Friday, but got nothing out of his iron play. And for me, that's been the problem, especially with the short irons with Rory McIlroy. But he flipped the script on Saturday and Sunday, finally getting to the positive side of strokes gained approach to the green, finally was able to take advantage of some of those big, long, straight drives. Uh, Bob, how significant is this win this early for Rory? Could this be floodgates opening, or is this just a step forward in the process? He spoke about working on uh, concentration, things he was doing away from mechanics, uh, especially as he headed to the weekend. It obviously paid off. I think there's a bunch of stuff here to sort of unpack, and I like the fact that, um, you know, as you said, his irons were working well, certainly on the weekend. I thought it was interesting a number of times during the tournament, all four days, his club selections, especially off the tee. He took three woods a few times where almost everybody else in the field was hitting driver. 
So I, it, you almost felt early going, certainly Thursday and Friday, that he wasn't comfortable with the driver, but that seemed to disappear as he got into the weekend. And he talked afterwards, uh, both on Saturday and then again after the win, about how much of a mental change this was. And for the last couple of years, you know, Rory has been talking about trying to um, figure out who Rory the person was and not just always be Rory the golfer and try to separate those two things. And I think in that process, he sort of admitted that he kind of got lost. And when he had the emotion um, after losing the Ryder Cup, he said he sort of analyzed that. He was surprised at how emotional he was. He cried on TV. We saw that. And he kind of said, you know, maybe I am not putting enough into my golf. Maybe I'm not as passionate as I was about before. And maybe I'm sort of so scared. of I want to pull myself so far back that I've gone too far. And so I think in a lot of ways, what you saw from Rory on the weekend especially was a guy who was right into it. He was right involved with it. He was really wanted to play well. Every part of his game seemed to be working well. The putter, he's been working with Brad Faxon again. So, you know, if, if this is the Rory that was in 214, 216, that kind of Rory, uh, you know, we could be in for a good run here. Let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but I like what I heard from him after the, after the round. You know, I, I've kind of joked over the last year, and, and I said it to you on TV, uh, Bob, about the, you know, Rory trying to find the eye of the tiger, so to speak. And I know, Adam, it's not the eye of the tiger because that's not Rory's ammo. It's not his makeup. In fact, Rory said, I got to be me, you know. And I always said this, you know, Fred Couples swings the club like Fred Couples. It's his demeanor the way he is. Nick Price was a quick cadence guy. He swings it fast. He walks it fast. You, you've got to play in your own skin. But if Bob is kind of has his finger on the pulse of this and is reading this accurately, which I think he is, if this is Rory caring again and Rory making golf important again, this could be a fun year. It really could be a fun year. And, Bob, you mentioned there Rory in 2014 and 2016. Maybe he does, he's never had that eye of the tiger, but Rory's always had this swagger when he plays well. He walks high. His shoulders are up. He's walking. and He's walking high. He's walking fast. You remember in 2014, that PGA Championship, when Ricky Fowler and Phil Mickelson were ahead of Rory McIlroy, fist-bumping each other, trying to get in the mix. And Rory, you could tell, did not like that at all. Obviously, won his third straight event that year, second straight major as well. Could we see a big run here from Rory? Quite potentially. We remember last uh, this past spring in the Wells Fargo, won a couple weeks before the PGA Championship. We thought, oh, he's going to a golf course where he's done well at Kiowa before. What does he do? His first tee shot at Kiowa Island sends it 40 yards out of bounds into the water. So for Rory, who really knows? This is a great step in the right direction for Rory McIlroy. I'd love to see him win that elusive fifth major. It's hard to believe it's been since that 2014 uh, PGA Championship since he's won a major championship. But Mark, like you said, you know what, the, the strokes gain approach stats are still kind of puzzling. 67th in the field at the CJ Cup and still wins the golf tournament. Imagine if that was firing on all cylinders. Like we've mentioned before, when Rory McIlroy's on top of a game, on top of his game, he's almost unbeatable. So come 2022, April, Rory McIlroy going to be one of the favorites to complete that career Grand Slam. Well, Bob mentioned the three-wood. You mentioned the strokes gain approach. We're going to get more into the three-wood and winner's weird and what. And we'll also get a little bit more into the strokes gain approach because you're right, Adam. It's 67th overall. 
but there was a, a switch that was hit on the weekend and something that I want to highlight in his last shot of the golf tournament, which is a sign of potential improvement and something that I've been screaming about for about two years. All right, let's play a little over par or under par. We won't touch Colin Morikawa because Morikawa, a great 62 on Sunday, almost stole this golf tournament, was brilliant at the Ryder Cup. And at the end of the day, if there's such thing as a bad 62, Morikawa shot it. He went out in 29. The putter went cold on the back nine. He turned to 59 in the 62 and could have won this golf tournament. We'll leave Morikawa out of this. But Ricky Fowler, okay, who has been, he missed the playoffs last, last year, uh, has been lost in the wilderness, has been rededicating himself to the game. Fowler goes 66, 66, 63, 71. Had the lead coming into Sunday, a chance to win this golf tournament. In the short term, he loses a golf tournament. He had a chance to win. In the big picture, on a sponsor's invite, he played well and put himself back in the mix on the Sunday for the first time in a long time. Bob, Ricky Fowler, under par, over par. Oh, he's under par in a big way. And I think, as you, you hit the nail on the head, the short term, yeah, he wanted to win that golf tournament. The guy like Ricky always wants to get into that position to give yourself a chance on Sunday. And he had it, except for that ugly double bogey on the front side. But uh, but this is a huge step forward. This is a Ricky we haven't seen for a while, not only with his golf game, but also wearing the orange pants uh, for the first time in a little while, which I thought was good. So maybe this is uh, that's his good luck charm or something. But I think it's nice to see Ricky back playing the way he was. Um, the swing looked good. I mean, he, he seemed, seemed to be in, in sync. It seemed to be... You know, he always has had that laid off kind of top of the backswing um, move. And it, it looked to me a little bit last year like he was trying to move away from it. And I don't know if he's gone back to it a bit or if it was just the angle of cameras or something. But uh, but I love the way he played. And, uh, and when Ricky's playing well, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, on the broadcast this week, I mentioned that because I had him on Saturday. I called most of his shots on Saturday. And I liked his cadence. I like that you know he wasn't spending an excessive amount of time. There wasn't a lot of conversation. There wasn't a lot of second guessing. It was that old Ricky, I get up, I hit it, I find it, I hit it. And he had that attitude on the, on the greens as well with just hitting the putts with a ton of pace. I am with you, Bob. I have him under par big time in, in the big picture. Adam, over par, under par. Yeah, I'm the same way. Under par here for sure. One top 10 in his previous 37 starts in the PGA Tour. That coming sort of a backdoor top 10 finish at the Kiowa, Champion, uh, Kiowa PGA Championship this past May. You know, he lost uh, 1.2 shots on the field putting alone in the final round. So that's where he sort of struggled. It did seem to me that, you know, the seven-week layoff or break for Fowler, he's picked up a lot of speed. He was hitting a lot of tee shots, carrying them well over 310 yards, rolling out 340, 330, that sort of thing. So it looks like Fowler has more speed. Mark, like you mentioned, will get into McElroy's three wooden numbers and more speed that's coming into play and winner's weird and what. But this is a big under par for me. Like Bob said, golf's in a better place when Ricky Fowler is playing well. So uh, it, looks like, it looks like Fowler, you know, it could be getting back, getting himself back in the mix. We've seen a lot of long routes broken this year in the world of golf you think Lydia Ko you think Hideki Matsuyama you think Jordan Spieth you think Brooks Kepka back uh, at Phoenix so maybe Ricky Fowler could be next to break a big slump Mackenzie Hughes the lone Canadian in this limited field he was 17 under par a tie for 25th the highlight the 62 on Friday was brilliant a nice Sunday as well for Mackenzie Hughes 68 the tour will head to Japan for the Zozo Championship and then come back 
to North America for the Bermuda Championship the following week as the fall series still continues. Still some golf to go. It'll all wrap up the weekend of November 21st with the RSM Classic. We'll be on top of the PGA Tour as it rolls forward. On the other side, we'll get you caught up on Golf Talk Canada's schedule. We will be on location at the Swing Golf Lounge on Monday, November the 15th. Also, we were going to get caught up with Bob on his trip to Cabot. I'm dying to find out uh, what golf was like at the Nest uh, and, and just the overall experience of uh, of the Scramble shootout, the RBC Scramble uh, that you were a, a part of once again, Bob, out in Cabot. Just uh, want to get caught up on all things Cabot because uh, such a wonderful place in our country for the game of golf, and we will get it to it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Well, with the uh, U.S. border fully opening November 8th to Canadians, I know Canadians have been able to fly to America during the pandemic without uh, restrictions or issues. But now with the land border open to non-essential travel both ways, I'm hoping that the Can-Am Cup returns in 2022. Really sad that uh, we were unable to... Uh, take on Team USA. So hopefully we'll have some information about that come the spring. But nice to see things starting to turn towards normal. Always great to see, too, that Air Canada Centre, Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Arena full of people. Mm -hmm. That was awesome to see as well. So I want to get you caught up on all things Golf Talk Canada as well as Tee Up Hour 2. But before we do, Bob, you were in Cabot. You were uh, really the... What is has become the flagship of, of Canadian golf on a global scale. When, when I'm traveling now, whether it be in Europe or America, and they don't know what we do and, and what, we're, you know, what we're a part of, but they hear we're from Canada and we, they hear we're in the golf community, the first words out of their mouths are, have you been to Cabot? It's, it is unbelievable. It, it has really become the face of Canadian golf in, in terms of, of a destination. How was it? How was the experience? And how was the nest? So, uh, yeah, a lot to unpack there. You're right. You know, before, before the Cabot was on the map, it used, you used to ask people in the States, you know, what's the, what, the, what golf course do you know in Canada? And the, the answers were usually Glen Abbey, Banff or Jasper. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those, but now Cabot is just absolutely spectacular. Of course, the Cabot brand expanding with St. Lucia and one in Revelstoke, British Columbia. Uh, so I was out there for the RBC PGA Scramble, and that has become an absolute uh, amazing event. Um, it is 13,000 people participated, start, tried to qualify this year, which is way up from the years past. And if you look at the little video that uh, our good friend Brendan Stasso, which used to be the uh, media director for PGA Tour Canada, put together, uh, it's really good. It's, uh, it's a fun event. It's basically four amateurs go to a local qualifier. If they get through that, they go to a regional qualifier where they are joined by a PGA, uh, PGA of Canada professional, club, you know, club pros. And uh, they go, and if they make it there, they get to go to uh, Cabot for the final. So it's one round at the Cliffs, two round at Lynx, and a whole bunch of fun. The opening night this year was, to transition into what you were talking about as well, Mark, 
a, a uh, closest to the hole shootout on the nest at starting at uh, 8:30 at night. So the <laughs> nest cool is, is so it's floodlit, Bob. Yeah, it's floodlit. So so the nest is a 10-hole golf course. Uh, the longest hole I would say is about 140, maybe 50, maybe 160, and it's downhill. Uh, but it's a fun little golf course with you know most of the time you're hitting wedge, nine irons. Um, there's there the greens are. Um, devious i would have to say as you might expect <laughs> as you might expect from a, a golf course that is that short but they have all these floodlights lit up so you can go over there and you can bring a couple of bevies with you and walk around with three or four clubs and uh, it just adds to the total experience because if you haven't had enough by playing links in the morning cliffs in the afternoon you want to go and play uh the nest at night and um as i say it's it's super fun and one of the one of the professionals there edwin who's the club he's the head professional at uh, at the cliffs he said to me he said Boy, I'd like to have one percent of all the money that's going to be wagered on that golf course over yeah. the next few years, because <laughs> yeah. you can just see what's going to be happening as uh, as the boys have a few cocktails and the and the girls and and uh, get out onto that course. Well, that that's just amazing. That is so awesome, and uh, and they're so successful, Bob. I heard it's almost impossible to get a tee time the next almost I think two years. I heard they're almost booked out. Well, they're certainly heavy booked. I think they're sort of 70 to 80% booked for next year. The biggest issue, of course, is accommodation. They've, they've got limited accommodation. They're building a, a, a bunch of new homes uh, that are going to be available on the cliffs to stay at. So that's a, uh, that's a huge part of it. And, um, but you're right. It's, it's become, I mean, it was almost all Ontario and Quebec travelers, a few from the West. But I sat down the first day we got there, I sat down at the little outside patio and there was a foursome of guys from my golf course. Then there was a foursome of guys from St. George's. <laughs> then there was 12 guys from Thornhill. So, uh, so that was good. The, I should point out that the RBC PJ scramble is, if, if anyone listening to this next year does not try to qualify, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. And the PJ of Canada, this is a big, big event for them. We have our friends with um, you know, TJ Alderdice, who's the president this year. And, mm -hmm. and of course, Kevin Thistle was out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, and I know, Adam, you were going to say something about, about that. I think, I mean, you mentioned people signing up. I, a Team Golf Talk Canada just seems like a slam dunk here. I'm, I'm just spitballing out loud here, guys. But, I mean, I we need a, a fourth. Jeff McDonald, if you're listening, maybe you're our fourth, our, our ringer, if you will. That's right. Yeah. And maybe we try to qualify next year. Maybe, it was a team, from, a team from Stittsville. It was a great story. A team from Stittsville, which is near Ottawa. They won it by making a guy who was, I think, a 15 or so handicap. On the 17th hole at Lynx, which is a par three, he drained a 65-foot putt for birdie. And then on the last hole, with a devious pin placement, he hit the ball to about a foot and a half for, uh, for a birdie, and they won. Wow. So it's a great we finish. Should be, we should be on location uh, for yeah. this, guys. The show should be there. We should be covering this. Maybe that's something we'll do uh, in the near future. Something else we're going to do in the near future, Golf Talk Canada on location at the Swing Golf Lounge, swinggolflounge.ca. Monday, November 15th, come out and see us, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Come out to the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke by Sherway Gardens. It's in support of the Daily Bread Food Bank. And, in fact, it's already started. If you bring three uh, non-perishable food items between now and December, you're going to get an automatic $5 discount off your first hour of uh, golf in one of the bays. 
uh, swing golf lounge, great food, great drink, great golf. You have lessons. You can uh, work on your game in the range. You can play golf against some of the uh, best golf courses in the world. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to be out there with our friends uh, from TaylorMade, our friends from Golf Away Tours. We're going to have a outdrive Adam Scully contest live on TSN 1050 <laughs> on Monday, November the 15th. We're going to give away some great prizes. Uh, stay tuned to at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram, at Golf Talk Canada, Twitter and Instagram over the next seven days or so for no- more announcements. We'll have more announcements leading up to our live on location Monday, November 15th. Adam, before we go to a break, on the other side, we're going to speak with uh, Callum Davison, who is the uh, winner of the McKenzie Tour. He finished first on McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada. He's getting the invite to the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's next year. Uh, What's coming up on Golf Talk Canada TV on the schedule? I know we're into a limited special season. What's on the calendar, Skulls? Yeah, so actually being taped this week is our tailor-made equipment product special for 2021, taking a look at all of TaylorMade's 2021 product line. That's going to air at some point before the end of October. Into November now, we'll have a Canadian player special where we'll take a look back at the years of Corey Connors, of Mackenzie Hughes, of Brooke Henderson, of all of the great Canadians we have right now in the game of golf. We'll take a look back. We'll take a look ahead what could be coming in 2022. Then, of course, in December, a pair of TV shows. First of all, Festivus. Looking forward to that uh, date for that TBD, but some point in December. And then around the holiday season, our year in review. Which major was best? Winners weird and what of the year? Sound bites of the year? Shots of the year? The works. That's coming up around the holiday season right here on Golf Talk Canada. All right, coming up in hour two, we'll start with Callum Davison, who is the player of the year in McKenzie Tour. We'll get to our Twitter poll on if you could change a rule in the game of golf, what would it be? Winners weird and what? All coming up in hour two. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to Hour 2 of GTC. Still lots to get to. Winners, weird, and what? We'll get to our Twitter poll question. If you could change any rule in the game of golf right now, what would it be and why? This is on the heels of the new local rule that the RNA and USGA announced with driver lengths moving from 48 to 46 inches that the PGA Tour will adopt January 1st. 2022 before we get to all that though callum davison such a great year on pga tour canada mckenzie tour he wins the order of merit number one on the points list that means he is going to the rbc canadian open earlier this week adam and i had a chance to catch up with callum 
Callum, thanks so much for taking the time to join Adam and I here and speaking to us on Golf Talk Canada. Before we get into your season, first of all, congratulations for winning the points list. Amazing accomplishment, a wonderful year. But before we get into your actual season and what it means for you moving forward, I want to go back to, I guess, before the season started and just kind of get your thoughts and your attitude as, as to where you were when you heard that Mackenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada, was going to be able to have some type of a season. Because for the longest time, we weren't sure if we were even going to have a year. And then all of a sudden, the decision was made to, to have a Canadian-only uh, type of tour, uh, uh, I guess a smaller version. Were you relieved? Were you excited? What were your thoughts and what were your plans before the season started? So Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Fun. Um, yeah, so... Uh... Obviously, I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, I think we got an email um, in like mid-May when usually the season starts like June. So uh, it was kind of tough to organize everything. But um, yeah, signed up for Form Q School. Um, I did that. And then, uh, but yeah, so I saw also, like I think came out a month later, uh, Mackenzie uh, Tour decided to have a season. It was going to be eight events, shortened. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of just had to shuffle everything. Um, decide what the schedule is going to look like. Obviously, I had to go to Q School for Form Tour, um, and I did well and ended up winning that. But uh, at the same time, I knew I was going to at least play in a couple of McKenzie Tour events at the end of the season. Um, so it, it gave myself, like, uh, the Form Tour was only eight events too, so it gave me a little bit more than eight events. I got in about, uh, I think I got in 11 uh, in total, but yeah. Right on. Now, uh, Callum, we had you on Golf Talk Canada a couple times after your two victories uh, this season. And one thing we spoke a lot about is your unique grip, cross-handed. Uh, so for those who haven't seen you swing a golf club, tell us about your grip and how it came to be. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, just picked it up uh, opposite. So a lefty grip on a right-handed club. Um, I played hockey left-handed, so that kind of came from that a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, so just picked it up like that. Um, felt comfortable, uh, continued with it. And, uh, yeah, from there, um, I got better and better with it. And a couple coaches tried to change me over time, but, um, I felt like that was the best for me. So <laughs> I was, I was just about to ask you how many coaches along the way tried to, uh, I was pretty stubborn though. Yeah. I could imagine, uh, now, Callum, a, a couple of victories, some great performances, could you feel it coming in the season? Did, did you did you know that you were going to crescendo towards some wins? Or were you more of a, hey, this is what I'm working on, and I'm just sticking the course, and, you know, what happens, happens type of thing? Or did you feel like, hey, wins are coming, and, and I need to win, and I'm going to win? Um, I felt like I was struggling so much so much off the tee that the rest of the game was really good. But then off the tee, it was just it was killing me like the first half of the season, like I was lucky if I didn't hit one, at least in the has or OB or, or something, um, or under the trees at least a couple times around. So it was killing me that way. Um, so, uh, yeah, I felt like if I could straighten that up, um, I had a really long driver. It was 47 and a quarter, um, which is now illegal. They announced yesterday. Um, so I, I felt like, you know, I gave it a good try. Me and, um, a couple guys at my club fitter, my coach, we decided that, you know, we would try to gain distance quickly by using a longer driver um, plus fitness, but that would gain me distance an extra 15 yards right away. And it, it didn't 
it didn't go as planned. Um, I was playing in Palm Springs courses are deserty. So quite open there. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it felt like it was good there, but I felt like when I got to a course with like, say a couple fairway bunkers and hazard on the right, it, uh, it wasn't holding up. So, um, yeah, so I felt like if I, I could fix that, um, which I did, I ended up just switching drivers and it slowly got better in the next two events. And then I came up to PEI and, uh, game felt a lot better. And I felt like, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to kind of restart the season. Um, just because they've only played two events and, uh, yeah. And he took it from there two victories. Now you mentioned strategy there and a big part of strategy is your caddy and for your two victories, your dad was your caddy. How special was yeah. that for you to experience that with your father? It was cool. He, he was actually sick, uh, for 18 months, uh, before last year and the year before. So, uh, it was cool. Um, you know, it puts things in perspective for sure. Uh, so like form two or Q school, we, we hit the driver terrible, but it was a wide open golf course. And so, uh, yeah, we got a win there, but we knew, you know, that was pretty special because that was his first event back on the bag since he, he was sick. So, um, and then, uh, in PI was just kind of the top it off. Obviously we didn't really get to celebrate that much, uh, just because we were ripping across the country to Saskatchewan, but, um, yeah, no. And then the second, I feel like the second one meant a lot more for both of us. Cause we kind of knew that put me in pos position for the year, uh, to do, do well in the points. Um, so yeah. So, so Callum, obviously RBC Canadian open is the big crown jewel, but now we'll go back to what is likely a full McKenzie tour in 2022. So, uh, do you plan on playing at all over the winter? What are, what's the schedule look like before we get to McKenzie tour? Not a whole lot. I go to Palm Springs, um, for a good five months a year, um, down to see my coach and my putting coach and all that. Um, so I get to train and stuff there. Um, but also, you know, um, I'm near, not too far away from a couple PJ tour events. So I'll try to do a couple, uh, pre-quals and Mondays and you never know, uh, came close last year. So, um, hopefully, you know, that'd be a bonus, but, uh, and then just some mini tour events and stuff. Um, yeah, just to get the game sharp and then, uh, yeah, not, not, not a whole lot. Uh, and some equipment changes. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Mark mentioned the RBC Canadian Open and hopefully, you know, coming up in June, we have a full gallery, lots of fans watching. What do you think is going to be going through your mind and your body when you step on the first tee playing in a PGA Tour event? <laughs> Odds of dream come true. So uh, it'll be cool. Um, yeah, obviously people are going to be a little bit not weirded out by the grip, but they're going to be checking it out. Um, so, you know, could bring some, uh, good exposure. Um, and just, uh, just got to keep cool and, and just act like it's a normal event. And I, I deserve to be there. I earned the spot. So, uh, I just got to go play golf the way I can and, and see what happens. Uh, Callum, before we let you go and, and wish you luck the rest of the way, I'm just curious because I've been pretty vocal about the the driver rule that we kind of knew was coming. You were playing 47 and a quarter. You made an adjustment uh, in the middle of your season. Is now the plan moving forward just 46 inches, take it to the max and go? Or could you see yourself going shorter? Why or why not? Yeah, so my dri driver uh, after that, the when I changed it went to 46 because I just didn't want to go a huge gap between. So it was an easier transition. Um, and yeah, so it's just going to be 46. Um, I'm just going to keep it that. It gained me a couple extra yards, but I also can control it. So uh, awesome. yeah.
Callum, have a great uh, winter. Uh, hope you're getting some good work. And my gut tells me we'll be doing this again after you uh, win again on Mackenzie Tour. And let's definitely do this before you tee it up at the RBC Canadian Open uh, and, and preview your, uh, your Canadian Open at St. George's. So enjoy your winter, and thanks uh, so much for spending the time with us. And, and congratulations on an amazing 2021. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on uh, so many times. It was a, a privilege. So thanks. Callum Davison, Player of the Year, PGA Tour, McKenzie Tour. Good luck on his Monday qualifiers throughout the window, of course, next year at the RBC Canadian Open. We'll keep an eye on Callum and all our Canadian talent as we head towards 2022. On the other side, we're going to get to it. It's a great segue because Callum was one of those guys who experimented with longer drivers. The USGA and RNA have come up with a local rule for 2022 allowing professional golf tours and high-end amateur events to limit the length of drivers down from 48 inches to 46 inches. Phil Mickelson was very vocal about being upset about this, and uh, the PGA Tour has adopted the rule immediately, January 1st, 2022. We asked you, the Twitter audience, what you felt and if you could change one rule in the world of golf, what would it be on the heels of this announcement? We'll get Bob's opinion, Adam's opinion, and update you on that Twitter poll on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Week. Scully, all right, guys, let's get to it. New driver, driver rule in play, local rule available to professional golf tours, high-end amateur events, PGA Tour adopting it January 1st. 2022 they're going to limit the length of drivers to 46 inches adam let's get to the twitter results before we get to to you and bob and and, and where you'd go with this what's our twitter audience saying right now we asked them uh in terms of any rule in the world of golf that they could change right now what would they change the options were fairway divots are ground under repair all courses marked at red as red in other words white and yellow go away and arm-anchored putting gets eliminated, and then there was other. What are the current results? Yeah, so right now, fairway divots, ground under repair, are, is leading the charge in a big way. 69% of our audience thus far uh, believes that would be the rule to change. All courses marked red, 17%. The arm-anchored putter at 9%, and other not specified at this moment at 5%. But 69% fairway divots, ground under repair, that, that seems kind of high to me personally. But what do you guys think? It's it's a runaway. I know it's a bee in a bonnet of, of, of a lot of guys I play with <laughs> because, you know, it brings luck in, into the equation. And I think, you know, great golf courses reward good shots and penalize bad shots. Great golf courses. So if the goal of the game and the task of the game is to put it in the fairway and put it in the green, you should be rewarded for that. Putting it in the fairway and being penalized, in my opinion, kind of goes against the uh, – the task at hand, the, the the point of it all. Bob, where are you? If I were going to make you Grand Poobah, you are the Grand Poobah of all things golf. 
and I gave you your wizard hat and your wand, and you were allowed to change one rule starting tomorrow, what would it be and why? Okay, I'm going to get to that. I promise you. I just want to go back. <laughs> I just want to go back to that uh, ground under repair. Now, a lot of people, I think, misinterpret this. A lot of people think that if your ball is in a divot, you should get relief. But the most common theory is a sand-filled divot. So a divot that has been repaired, which is, I think you should get relief from, a sand-filled divot. I don't think you should get relief from a regular divot in the fairway. That's just rub of the green, as far as I'm okay, concerned. question for you. Question yeah. for you, because I know the argument has always been, then we get into the gray area of, you know, What's is a, it sand-filled? Is it not? Where is it in the process? Yeah. So my, my opinion on all of this, on most things rules related, I hate high definition TV and people calling in and all the crap we've seen over the years. I find it complete garbage. My solution to what constitutes relief as ground under repair in the middle of the fairway is this simple. It is a player declaring that he believes or she believes that she should get relief from the divot in the fairway and it, go, and it is simply up to the players in the group within the competition. So in other words, if you, Adam, and I are playing golf and I hit the ball in the middle of the fairway and I see the ball sitting in what I feel to be uh, something that hasn't been repaired or is in the process of being repaired, I ask for relief and it's on you guys to give me that relief. So, so very much like a ball that's been, uh, been damaged, right? Same There's thing. Same sort of thing. I agree same with you 100% thing. there. Okay, going back to your original question about the rules that I would change, I would make everything red, every yeah. single thing red. No white stakes anywhere on the golf course, uh, primarily for speed of play, primarily because that's unless you're on the PGA Tour or some elite amateur event, that's the way you play it anyway. I mean, no, I don't know a lot of people who walk back to the tee unless it's some kind of a for you know an actual rules uh, bearing event of some sort. So that would be the one that I would go with. I'm with you a thousand percent, Bob. I think uh, I'm fine with the divot in the fairway uh, under the conversation we had. I think that'd be a good change, but I love the change to red for the two things you said, a pace of play, and most people are doing it anyway. And it would just validate the handicaps and the scores even that much more. And uh, I'm with you. Uh, no need for white and yellow anymore. Uh, Skulls, where are you on this? Yeah, so first of all, I'm totally with you guys, too, on all red. For, for pace of play, everyone just plays that way anyway, unless you're playing with a hooty-tooty guy talking about the rules and wants you to go all the way back to the tee and your round's five and a half hours long. I'm not quite <laughs> all about that. The hooty-tooty guy. Yeah, the, the hooty-tooty guy. So, uh, But, you know, the fairway divots is an interesting one. Um, I mean, I, I've thought about now for almost two years playing balls in bunkers and sort of placing them around uh, where I am um, at Bayview. I think we're still one of the only courses who doesn't, who still uh, doesn't have rakes on the golf course. So I'm still placing balls in the bunker. I've thought about that for, for a pace of play and B people not raking bunkers properly, but I'm not quite there uh, on, on this topic just yet. But in terms of fairway divots, I think playing the ball is a lie. Sometimes you get bad breaks. Sometimes there's sprinkler heads in the fairway that your ball bounces and it goes in the rough or something. I think it's just plays a lie. Sometimes you just get bad breaks. That's just me personally. But, you know, sometimes golf is a cruel game. Sometimes golf is a great game. But I think you should play as it lies. Well, we have seen championships altered. Not many, but there has been a few over the years, Bob. So a Payne Stewart comes to mind. Am I, 
Am I, as Roger Clemens would say, am I misremembering? But did <laughs> did did uh, Payne Stewart not find a sand-filled divot at yeah. Olympic against Lee Jansen that changed potentially changed the outcome of that U.S. Open? I think you're absolutely right on that, as I recall it as well. Yeah, I, I just, hope I'm not misremembering. I, yeah, well, that's okay. You and I are not in front of Congress, so it's okay. <laughs> We're allowed to misremember. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I'm, I'm just, for me, it's the, the, the luck factor. I don't like the luck factor. You know, it's funny because you brought up the, the rakes and bunkers, Adam, and the Toronto mm. Hunt is possibly the only other golf course along with Bayview to not have the rakes out. And we're, we're playing the bunkers the same way you are. Mm-hmm. And I remember last year, our solution to COVID and cups where we, we had a plastic seal on our cups. And it was about a centimeter or two beneath uh, the, the line of, of, of the surface of, of the putting surface, as opposed to a pin caddy or something at the bottom of the cup. Right. And I remember I, uh, on our six hole par three, it was playing like 147 uh, back left hole location, hit it off the stick. It went down the stick into the cup, shattered the plastic rim that prevents the ball from going down and popped out of the hole. That ball could have stayed in for a hole in one. We'll never know. But I remember thinking to myself at the time, boy, these lids are, are kind of the dumbest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in terms of a COVID response in the sense that the object of the game is to put the ball in the hole. And we have just put a device on the golf course that prevents the ball from going in the hole. And then it kind of got my mind going on the whole divots. Well, the object of a tee shot is to put the ball in the middle of the fairway. And if you put the ball in the middle of the fairway and you're in a divot, does that not kind of go against the object of the game? Adam, I'm just too logical to play this game. Yeah, you know, it sort of goes to the fact that for for some people who just don't repair their divots, people behind them are getting penalized. So I guess in this day and age, repair your divots. You know, some people take good beaver pelts when they're, you know, hitting a big wedge. They, they take a big divot and they, they just don't repair them and, and that ruins the fairway. So this is just a lesson to everyone. Repair your divots after every shot and maybe you won't hit balls in the divots. Who knows? Yes, always uh, leave a golf hole in better shape than you found yes. it. That's what I like to say. So before we uh, wrap this segment up and do winners, weird and what on the other side, we have what, five or 6% at other. Mm-hmm. Bob, what do you think the other is? Out of those ones that we've listed and outlined, what do you uh, think other could possibly be? I am racking my brain at what I don't other know, 14 clubs in the bag, um, same ball. <laughs> I don't know. There's not much yeah. other than those. There's are the, not much the, other left Those are the pretty contentious know. ones, aren't they? I think that uh, maybe, maybe being able to uh, wipe mud off your ball. We That's played on Saturday. Yeah. It was a pretty muddy day. We out for the first time in my history. We were playing like a men's closing, so it was an actual event. We were played lift clean in place. I mean, I think people probably do that too when it's you know when it's a normal outing. I I kind of clean it, clean the right. ball off. But that might be one. I can't think of much though. And even the PGA Tour, Bob, outside of uh, majors, uh, typically will go to ball in hand a lot quicker than they used to. Uh, in the old days, even if they think that it might be a problem later on in the day, because right. if they, because they, you can't switch halfway. Once you start the round, uh, ball in hand or not ball in hand, you got to finish that way. So they, they tend to err more on the side of caution than, than in previous decades, with the exception of majors. So I, I think that's a good one. That's a good call there. Adam, anything come to mind on what other could be? 
I mean, I, I'm trying to think more. You know, we mentioned the arm anchor putter there, but the, the mud, the mud, in the the hand uh, ball in hand is an interesting one as well. Especially this time of year, too, in the GTA, the old leaf rule. Sometimes, if your if your ball goes into you know a, a big pile of leaves, sometimes you're just not going to find your golf ball. I, I am curious. I mean, obviously, we're getting away, you know, from the anchored putter rule. We don't see that many guys using the broomstick. Adam Scott now. Aaron Wise also using the broomstick, which just looks flat out weird for a guy well, who's in his mid twenties. I use it. I you we, we like, you but, know. but 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 your putting is a different story. But your putting has <laughs> been good this year too. It's a long you can story. You do a whole show on your putter, but it's been great this year. One putter the entire year, Adam. Wow. One putter the entire year. That's, one that, that's style. My winner of the one year. grip. Unbelievable. All right. On the other side, we are going to get to winners. Weird to what? There is some Rory. Numbers that I know we're going to dive into. Also, in the uh, final segment of today's show, we will get you caught up on all things Golf Talk Canada. And there were some other golf tournaments uh, in the world of golf. In fact, the PGA Tour champions wrapped up their regular season at the SAS Championship as they head to the Charles Schwab Cup playoffs. And uh, real shock, real shocker on the Champions Tour that who leads the way in the number one spot as they head to the playoffs on the Champions Tour. You'll never believe who has the one spot as they wrapped up the regular season. All this coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. No shortage in the good, the bad, the ugly since we've had a, a bit of a time off here. We call it Winners Weird and What? Three dub. And this week, gentlemen, the tea is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Scully, we kind of teased this uh, when we were talking CJ Cup, but Rory McIlroy a little bit sluggish with the strokes gained approach, especially on Thursday and Friday, ends up finishing 67th overall in the field, which is already a limited field with no cut at the CJ Cup, but showed signs of improvement on Saturday and Sunday, which really might have been the difference, that along with some great uh, play with the putter. But I have been harping for two years about Rory needing to get better with his wedges. And, you know, Rory last November played alongside uh, Dustin Johnson at the Masters in what was the, the, I guess, the soft Masters, the November, the pumpkin mm -hmm. spice Masters. And if you recall, when he left that Masters, he was in awe of DJ's wedge game. He could hit flight his wedges. He can hit them without a lot of spin when he needs to. In fact, they both had to lay up on the par 5 13th on Friday, I believe, and it was a back left hole location, and DJ could get to that pin on that back shelf by flighting one in, and Rory couldn't. Rory had to take on that back apron and try to pull the string, and it's just too hard a shot to pull off, and 
Rory needs to work on his wedges. Well, the third shot on Sunday at the Summit Club at the CJ Cup, it was a par five. He laid up and played it as a three-shot par five because five wins the golf tournament by one. And the gust of wins that were predicted to come on Sunday finally came in the final 30 minutes of the broadcast. He was hitting that golf shot into about a 15-mile-per-hour wind in his face to a back hole location from 118 yards. And he hit a wedge shot into the wind to a back hole, hole high, and the golf ball only backed up about four to five feet. He controlled his spin, hit a stock wedge, hole high, and didn't rip the cover off the ball, leaving himself a 40-50 footer that he could have three-putt for a playoff. To me, that is a big sign in wedge improvement. Bob, am I putting too much weight in that type of shot, or are we seeing maybe finally some improvement with the short irons with Rory McIlroy? You know, from 125, 130 yards in, Rory McIlroy has always been sort of a uh, a gamble. He's hit some good mm -hmm. shots. He hasn't hit some good shots, but you're right. If this is something that he's now got in his artillery uh, on a regular basis, ooh, that's a huge advantage for him. Could be signs of things to come, and we'll certainly find out when we get to Augusta uh, where he has struggled, and he's trying to complete that career uh, Grand Slam and not do another backdoor top ten come Sunday. Okay, this was my weird, guys. You know, the PGA Tour usually does not get uh, any kind of backlash or, or, or negative press in terms of not enough coverage. It's usually... Too much coverage. Oh, there's too much golf. You know, we got PGA Tour Live, and then we've got the broadcast, and then we've got the radio broadcast, and we got, you know, but not this week. Twitter with a backlash to the PGA Tour because they were upset that they couldn't get any TV coverage before 5 p.m. They only got the back nine on Sunday. It was like going back 30 years in time, Adam. They couldn't watch golf until 5 p.m. on Sunday. They got the last nine holes of Ricky Fowler versus Rory McIlroy and what became Colin Morikawa as well. And Twitter lit up. Uh, I was surprised to see the backlash. And I'll tell them this, Scully. You can get the radio coverage 24-7. Trust me, we never leave the air. I'm exhausted by the time we get to 5 o'clock. Were you surprised <laughs> that, uh, A, you couldn't get any of the golf before 5 o'clock? And were you surprised at the backlash? Not surprised at the backlash. It's Twitter, after all, and, and people always find something to <laughs> complain about, whether something's good or bad. I'm definitely surprised we couldn't see it. Even PGA Tour Live this day and age, you think, and like, I mean, there are cameras out there, clearly where they were showing early highlights once they did go on the air. So I was certainly surprised there was no backlash or there was no coverage early on. Obviously a lot going on television-wise yesterday with the NFL, uh, some NHL as well, MLB baseball, but still very surprised that there was not you know, no early it, coverage. Before it's that. funny, Adam, because you always hear the opposite and you hear people say, ah, you know, PGA Tour Live, that's for the addicts, yada, yada, yada. But just like last fall, they only cover, PGA Tour Live was only covering early round on Thursday and Fridays. They don't do the weekend in the fall series. You don't miss something until it's gone. Okay, uh, my what? What a shot. Maybe the shot of the year. Uh, I don't want to say unnoticed, but it's a Friday in a fall series event and really doesn't change the outcome of a tournament the way you know, some of the shots that will sit in our mind when we look back on 2021 will be. But Abraham answer, guys, with the rarest of birds at the par 5 14th from 250 yards on Friday makes an albatross, a double eagle, a two on a par 5. 
a perfect shot that went in like a putt, went, took the camber of the green and rolled into the heart of the cup. And he goes on and makes eagle on Saturday and another eagle on Sunday. Abraham Answer owns the par 5 14th. A good finish, but that albatross, what a shot. Maybe the shot of the year. Okay, that's it for me. Bob, the tee is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, guys, my uh, winner this week is actually winners. It's a group of winners, and it goes back a couple of weeks to the Waterloo uh, Secondary School Championship Golf Tournament. And there were two teams basically competing in it, Waterloo-Oxford District Secondary School, as well as the Bluevale High School, Collegiate Bluevale Collegiate Institute. And the uh, Waterloo-Oxford team had a player on their team named Zach Hart, 19 years old. Because he's 19... He was actually technically allowed to play on the team in the championship, but they couldn't use his score because he's overage, is what they, they said. Uh, but they allowed him to compete, which sort of is a bit confusing. The reason they did was because two years ago he wasn't able to play because he was uh, recovering from cancer treatment. Last year he was, was un, uh, not allowed to play because there was no championship, obviously. The uh, uh, COVID canceled everything. So the Waterloo-Oxford team won. But they were not allowed to submit Hart's score because they said that he was not uh, eligible. And therefore, they only had three players as opposed to four. And they were uh, knocked out of uh, top spot even though the scorer said that they had won. Well, the Bluevale team said, you know what? We don't think that is good. And their coach, Jason Forget, said that really it was an immediate decision on behalf of the players. They all got together and the Bluevale team all disqualified themselves. And that allowed the Oxford team to actually go on and win. So uh, my winners this week are the Bluevale Collegiate Institute golf team. What a classy move by those guys to allow a guy who uh, should have had a chance to win before and goes on to grab the championship. So good for them. That's awesome. What do you think, Adam? Good move? That, that, that's a great story. It's just a great feel-good story. And, you know, we've seen a lot of a lot come out of the pandemic here and, and not being able to compete a couple of years ago with the treatments going on. But uh, kudos to them for uh, a great gesture. All right. My weird this week takes us down to uh, Australia, and the uh, the name of this golf course is is quite something, as a lot of names are in Australia, the Inderupoli Golf Club, uh, where a gentleman by the name of Hugh Brown was playing on the uh, on a par three that was uh, about 150, 160 yards. Now, Hugh doesn't hit it that far, so he teed off when the group ahead of him was on the green. <laughs> And l luckily, the uh, people on the green weren't hit by the ball. In fact, the ball landed and rolled into the cup. And the reason why Hugh you know, doesn't normally hit it that far is because Hugh is 99. In fact, he is two months from being 100 years old. And the guys in the group ahead of him said, you know what, no problem. We'll, we'll forgive you for hitting into us as they watch the ball roll into the cup. Mark... Uh, I mean, you know, some people never have holes in one. And here's a 99-year-old guy making them. What do you think? I mean, just that, that is so cool, Bob. And and the Australian PGA announced that he is officially the oldest player in Australian history to ever record a hole in one. But I love the footnote on this. When I first saw this story, you had to go pretty deep to find out that they were still on the green in the group, <laughs> the group in front. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. 
And my what is, uh, you know, what, what about a fast round of golf? Everyone loves to play a little quickly. You know, we don't want to have to sit and play in a five-and-a-half-hour round. But how about for one hole? Four Euro Tour pros, Sean Crocker, Nikolai Hjogard, Wilco Niebauer, and Min, uh, Minwoo Lee, decided to take on the record for the fastest hole of golf ever played. What, what would you, give me, both of you guys, give me a quick number of what you think how fast it would be. And if you know, don't, don't answer, but oh, geez. just uh, ballpark. Eight minutes? I, I don't know. One eight hole? Minutes? Yeah. Like, how long is the hole? It's a par five. Oh, wow. These guys, saying... these guys combined to play one ball. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, I'm going to say three and a half minutes. Yeah, I'm with Adam. Around four minutes. 24.75 seconds. Come on! <laughs> they played what? it in. Now, it took them about uh, a little over an hour to try and uh, actually get one where it all worked. So basically, one guy teed off. The guy in the fairway was there ready. As soon as it stopped rolling, he hit it onto the green. And then they hit it in tight at 24.75 seconds. You can see it because, again, this is the Euro Tour at its finest doing a video of promoting this thing. So you can find that on the Euro Tour's Twitter handle. So there you go. Uh, Adam, the tea is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. All right, gents, my winner this week is Macy Pate, who is a high schooler in North Carolina who fired a 14 under 57 in an event last week. Uh, par 71, 4,800-yard layout, birdied 14 of the 18 holes, 57. Rare you see a number like that. Congratulations uh, to Macy for an unbelievable round of golf. Uh, hopefully we see, from, see more from her in the future uh, going forward here. Okay, my weird this week. If you guys know me, Bryson Brooks, we, we sort of knew there might be a match coming. And day after Thanksgiving, it's going to happen. 12 holes, which I think is a major win because 18 holes of this is way too long. I have no idea what's going to come out of this. We saw the really awkward, cringeworthy hug, multiple hugs actually, after the Ryder Cup. Uh, Mark, what are you expecting from this match between Bryson and Brooks after Thanksgiving? And I know you'll be tuned in. I know you'll be tuned in. I, I expect uh, boredom, <laughs> golf that nobody cares about, another golf made-for-TV event that nobody needs or necessarily wants. I feel like the majority of the time the fix was in. We were all set up for a payday, and... I am not watching it. You heard it here first. I, I'm going to refuse to watch this. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Bob, what do you think? <laughs> I think it could be kind of fun, but only if Charles Barkley's involved. <laughs> yes, Charles Barkley has to be involved. Maybe Pat Perez is one of the color guys as well. I, that I'm, could be. I'm, I'm more fascinated to see the highlights of this uh, after the match. Before we go to break, my what this week, we teased this earlier in the show. Some of Rory McIlroy's numbers. Now, we... You know, earlier, the, earlier last season, I should say now, McElroy was chasing speed, and he really talked about how it, it sort of messed up his golf swing because he saw what Bryson did at last year's U.S. Open, dominating the field, bombing, gouging, completely changing the strategy of any other U.S. Open champion. And Rory thought, hey, maybe, you know what, I'm one of the longest guys on tour. Why not try to chase another 10, 15 yards? We know what happened with Rory's swing throughout last season, but now he's a winner again, and that, some of that speed is still there. Now, I know there is some altitude in Vegas, but still, three wood on the 14th hole specifically yesterday on Sunday, 117 mile per hour swing speed, 
177 mile an hour ball speed. That's much faster than the tour average with a driver on the PGA Tour. So McElroy certainly still has some speed. By the way, that, dri- that three would carry 320 yards, rolled out to 342. Mark, speed matters, and for Rory McElroy, he has plenty of it. Yeah, and I think uh, to Bob's point earlier in the show, it's uh, the speed and, and the talent going along with the good decisions. Like where he was hitting those three woods, it made his target wider. He didn't need to hit it any further. Uh, so really thinking, not only having the speed, but knowing when to use it. Uh, look out if this is the if this is what 22 is going to look like and I hope it does because the game's better with Rory and we all love Rory so I hope this is a window to next year on the other side we'll get you caught up with a few leaderboards in the world of golf and put a bow on all things GTC this is Golf Talk Canada this segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac springtime is a lot like a Cadillac spirited vibrant and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Let's get you caught up on some of the leaderboards in the world of golf, of uh, the championships that occurred this week. Brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in all of golf. Go to bushnellgolf.com for all your rangefinder GPS needs. We'll have some uh, Bushnell news coming with some new product coming in 2022, so look out for that as well. European Tour continues their race to Dubai. Matthew Fitzpatrick with the victory there, six under par. PGA Tour Champions wraps up their regular season. Uh, Lee Jansen in a playoff over Miguel and Al Jimenez. He birdies the first playoff hole for the victory. But guess who takes the lead into the playoffs as we open the Charles Schwab Cup playoffs on PGA Tour Champions? Bernard Longer, number one again. It seems like for eternity, Bernard Longer is sitting on top of the Champions Tour. And, of course, on the PGA Tour, CJ Cup Rory McIlroy over Colin Morikawa in a duel in the desert. Rory with the victory as the tour now heads to Japan for the Zozo Championship next week. Golf Talk Canada is back live uh, every Monday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon on TSN 1050, as well as the iHeartRadio and online at tsn.ca. So we're back now as our winter schedule settles in. We'll have some best ofs, and we will have some year in reviews as we unwind the season. We'll be on location at the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke uh, around Sherway Gardens on November the 15th. That's Monday, November the 15th. You can come out and try to outdrive Adam Scully at the Swing Golf Lounge. We're going to give away some tailor-made MG3 wedges, some other tailor-made prizes. They'll be there with us on location as well as TJ Rule from Golfway Tours as we support the Daily Bread uh, Food Bank. Uh, and please come out and bring the three 
non-perishable food items for a $5 discount off your first hour in any of the bays, whether you're practicing, playing, coming out for a good time. They've got men's leagues. They've got ladies' leagues. It's a great spot. Look to Golf Talk Canada, Twitter, and Instagram for more information over the next week or so on our Live on Location November 15th at the Swing Golf Lounge in Etobicoke. TaylorMade TV product special coming up. That's coming up in November. And, of course, Festivus in December, Year in Review in December. Still lots more to come before we call it a season on GTC. And, of course, Golf Talk Canada 2022, our next season already in the works. Bob, what's up for you? Uh, Obviously, the Zozo is coming. Going to be an awkward time zone. Trust me. After working the Olympics, the three of us this year, oh, yeah. the last thing we need is another golf tournament in Japan, but we've got one. Uh, what what what, uh, what do you got your eye on this week in the world of golf? Yeah, that's the one that's uh, going to be on there. I'm going to try and chase down a few comments on the uh, rules and the new driver length story. We'll do that a little bit. And I'm also going to be um, doing my second sport, doing a little bit of work on some curling. Uh, the curling season is heating up as the golf season closed down. We're getting into a... Uh, Uh, We're not far off from the Olympic trials, which is probably the biggest and best curling event in the world. It's even bigger than the Olympics because there's no, every team in there is absolutely fantastic. So we'll, uh, we'll be covering a little bit of curling getting in the next few weeks as well. You're going to try to squeeze in around this week, Bob? I see a couple of two days of decent weather in Southern Ontario. I got, uh, I got nine holes this afternoon with Pops. We'll, uh, we'll go out and try to put our woolies on and do that. And maybe, yeah, maybe I'll just kind of wake up and uh, call in sick. Oh, did I say that out loud? Hey, sorry. <laughs> Skulls, what do you got? You got some golf? You going to try to squeeze one more in at Bayview? I know we've got uh, sunshine the next couple of days. 20 degrees, it looks like, on Wednesday. And I won't be able to get out during the week, but cautiously optimistic for the weekend. Hopefully the next couple weekends. I don't mind throwing on a pair of rain pants, maybe a toque, maybe some winter mitts in between shots, an Adidas hoodie perhaps, putting that on. It is golf hoodie season now in the GTA, so hopefully get out the next couple of weekends. How about you, Mark? Well, I, you know what I got my eye on? I, I might play this week. I'm supposed to play this week, but, you know... Uh, I'm a delicate flower, gents. If it, if the weather gets too cold or too wet, I'm not going. My back just doesn't allow it. So I might try. Uh, but I got to keep my eyes on this. And I don't know if it's going to be this week, but in the next couple of weeks, and our friends at TaylorMade are not going to like this. But this is the time of year where, especially on the European tour, some of the photos start to Ooh. leak of some of the product coming in 2022. Right. And I know the three of us are going to see it firsthand in December. But maybe in the next couple of weeks, we get a sneak peek. It's that type of year where the equipment junkies like myself get a little juiced on what's coming. You guys have a great week. It was great to see your faces, talk with you. Great to be back on Mondays live for the next few weeks in a row as we head towards our live on remote, remote November the 15th. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay with us at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram for more announcements coming regarding our live on location November 15th at the Swing Golf Lounge. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.